So you decided you want to buy a gun, but how do you choose which one? You don't have time to test every handgun, rifle, and shotgun out there. NorCal Gun Vault can help you out. Yeah, the folks that work there are passionate about firearms. They hunt, they shoot. You can tell it's not just a job for them, and it shows in their ability to find the perfect firearm for you. NorCal Gun Vault is fully stocked with hundreds of handguns, rifles, shotguns, not to mention tons of ammo, dozens of accessories. Yeah, whether shooting is just a hobby, you're a hunter, or you're thinking about owning your first gun, NorCal Gun Vault has exactly what you're looking for. By the way, if cash is tight right now, but you really want to get a gun, NorCal Gun Vault will work with you to create a layaway program individually tailored to what makes sense for your budget. NorCal Gun Vault opens seven days a week, locally owned and operated. Check them out at NorCalGunVault.com. NorCalGunVault.com. It really matters when you're dealing with experts. Go to NorCalGunVault.com, NorCalGunVault.com. few questions. One, you said somebody above your rank wanted him out. Was that the president? I didn't answer the question, Chris. You see, I'm, I'm getting so subtle and surgical in terms of the way I talk You're to you. You're subtle as a heart attack. Yes, yes, you report directly I'm, to the president. Well, just remember what Koch said. I'm going to give you the heart attack, Chris. You're not going to give no, me look, the heart attack. You want to bring up Ed Koch. May he rest in peace. Uh, Ed Koch is in a president right now. Did the president tell you, get rid of this guy, he's one of the leakers? I'm not going to answer that Why? question because, because I just said I wasn't going to answer well, it. I know, but what happened to being straight? What happened I'm to just, straight. I'm not going to obfuscate. I'm, I'm straightly, straightly not answering your question. <laughs> and you, you know what you, that you suggests, know, right? You're, you, you know, what does it suggest? Well, if you don't want to answer the question, it suggests that, yes, it was him who told you not to do it. Because otherwise I, I you'd say, like, no, it wasn't him. Chris, because it, Chris, it clarifies I already it. answered it. You're just not really a derivative thinker. I, already, I said somebody <laughs> above my rank. Go read the press. You're hurting my feelings, Anthony. Is I that your goal answered, today? You know, you know what's funny about you? It was when I tease you, you get very upset. I'm never upset. No, I got a big you, smile on me, my face. I, I, try, I, have to, I have to stay here and, and not be upset. Anthony, listen, it's never personal listen, for me, except for the fact that I have not, a little bit of affection for you. But it's fair. Yeah, and same, same here. <laughs> I feel like I would have felt if after two episodes somebody had told me, oh, no, The Sopranos is just two episodes. There aren't any more. <laughs> I can't believe the Scaramucci show is off the air. Yeah. I was going to watch every single week. Where did he go to school? I went to Harvard Law School. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He mentioned that every interview. He uh, mentions that when he's ordering a pizza. <laughs> Freaking Harvard. Welcome. Uh, so that guy, we liked him. He was entertaining. He got fired yesterday. Get the hell out of here! He was a lunatic. He lasted a week and a half. And um, again, the backstory, the, 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 the thing to key on, when did he do that? And That was like Wednesday or Thursday. So he had a, a kid that was two days old at the time. His wife had given birth without him in a room. He wasn't allowed to be there because the, she dumped him nine months pregnant. So I think that wow. played a role in his uh, kind of unhingedness there last week. But I'm, I'm guessing he's close to that on a regular basis. So but. You, you think I'm, I made a mistake in signing up for Steve Bannon's yoga classes? <laughs> hey Think about it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, maybe it's just the kind of personality he is. I, if I were under that sort of personal stress, I think I would more close down than start calling reporters late at night and unleashing filth. But you know, unless he was drinking or drinking or drugging, coked up. To, uh, so that's my it. guess because he doesn't sound drunk. 
No. What we can't repeat is what he said about Steve Bannon, which wow. is, if true, would make Bannon a gymnast. Yeah. Although, come to think of it, I didn't hear him talking to the reporter. I just heard the reporter talking about it. Right. So he didn't mention he sounded drunk. But what are the ethics of that? You can be damn drunk and not sound drunk. As a reporter. Well, some people can. I've never had the gift. <laughs> I am clearly audibly intoxicated when I am. Uh, what are the ethics of that? I mean, good question. Because, listen... If, if, if you know a person's messed up. If somebody's incapacitated on, on liquor or drugs, you're you're a cad at, at best or a rapist if you take advantage of them sexually. What about as a reporter? You got some White House aide on it's crying drunk. He calls you up on the phone. Can he give consent? I'm thinking as a reporter, I think, well, we'll may God forgive me. I'm I'm writing it. But Or how about just even four beers in? You're gonna say things you might not otherwise say. You're sure. Not, you're not well, yeah. uh, to me, if the guy is like the CEO of whatever, Apple, then I might think, you know, it'd be uncool to, you know, he said something about Chinese workers or something, that, but he was obviously drunk. Because the, the, the free press does not have a sacred duty to hold Apple to account. They do have a sacred duty to hold the government to account. Something some government official calls me up drunk and spills beans. I'm writing it. Well, anyway, Scaramucci lasted uh, uh, ten days, and then, so Kelly marched in himself, like he was sworn in. So help me God, excuse me for a minute. Goes into the next room, says, "Mooch, you're out." And they uh, now, according to one account, they frog marched him out with a box in his hands. He was escorted to the White House exit, given the bums rush, foot in the butt, out. I wonder. Trump's been really quiet about this whole Mooch thing. I wonder, it's almost impossible, isn't it, that General Kelly didn't make part of the condition of I'll take this job is he's got to go. Right. Or I, I have the authority to fire him. Right. And, and he probably identified him specifically. It had to come up. I'm sure he said, listen, Mr. President, if I'm going to have this job, I've got this job. I am going to be a, the chief of the staff of the White House, and including firing people. Yeah, that's fine, General. That's fine with me. And and just, sir, so you know, Scaramucci's gone. And Trump said, you do what you got to do. Right. Yeah, I suspect that's the case. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about a guy like uh, the general is, is he has no hesitation. He has no fear of, of speaking truth to power. And if the president doesn't like it, he'll tell him so. But I don't picture General Kelly sweating and, oh, God, do I tell him because I heard he likes Mooch. I, I just don't know. I don't want him to be mad at me. I mean, and that is exactly what Trump desperately needs, I think. I, I thought this was an interesting story that didn't get that much attention. came out yesterday from CNN. Fake news! Right. They've CNN had... sucks! CNN <laughs> sucks! Come on, everybody! CNN sucks! They, they've, they've, uh, they've had some fake news. This is double-sourced, and none of the participants have come out and said it wasn't true. Uh, John Kelly was so upset with how Trump fired Comey, remember? Oh, yeah, I heard that, about this. Yeah. And that was uncool. Yeah. That, that um, Kelly called Comey right after he was fired and said he was considering resigning, according to two sources familiar with the conversation. Both sources cautioned that they were unclear how serious Kelly was. He was Secretary of Homeland Security at the time. He's now Chief of Staff. Uh, John was very angry and hurt by what he saw and the way Comey was treated, one of the sources said. Comey learned of his dismissal, if you remember, by seeing it on TV while he was giving a speech at the FBI office in Los Angeles, rather than the president saying, hey, I need you to come in, I need to talk to you, or at least calling him. Um, Comey took 
Kelly's call while traveling back from L.A. to Washington after he'd gotten fired. I mean, that was that was just a terrible move on Trump's part, the way he handled that. Yeah, um, and, really... and, and, and Kelly thought it was awful and has a lot of respect for Comey and said, I, I'm thinking about resigning. And Comey apparently said, no, don't do that. It's not it's not a big deal. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I know something about the military culture of accountability and the idea that maybe your navigator makes a mistake and it leads to a problem. The idea that the captain would go around whispering to people, hey, I heard it was the nav. I heard he really screwed up. I, uh, I'm just I'm going to fire him. I'm going to get rid of him. And not going to the guy personally and saying, here's the problem I have. Uh, here's what happened the way I see it. Let me hear your side of it. Okay, you're relieved from duty. I mean, that is incredibly critical to saving lives and making the military run. So I could see a guy like General Kelly really being outraged by the kind of, uh, you know, indirect, he hears it through the news method of firing somebody. But one of the reasons I think that's an important... Well, chicken S, for one thing. One of the reasons I think that's an important story, especially if you're a Trump hater, is that means that the chief of staff is not a Trump Trumper, Trumpist, whatever you want to call Trump fan. Right. He, he's, he's somebody that's got some serious problems with Trump's style. So uh, I believe that to be true. So if you believe Trump's trying to line up generals for a dictatorship or whatever. Oh, that's I, ridiculous. I don't think Kelly's going to be on board. Neither would Masters, by the way. Neither would Mattis. Neither uh-huh. would any of the big generals. But um, yeah, so that's interesting. So he took the chief of staff job, but he was pretty, pretty unhappy with Trump's handling of that. So there could be some friction in the future, no doubt. I think that's 100 percent guaranteed unless Trump is just so enamored with the generals he thinks okay if i uh, i want this strong capable accomplished man to think i'm cool so i guess i'll go along with him he could be an influence on the old man i don't know that whole uh, trump is hitler trying to you know whip up the hitler boy scout youth and the, I, i've been shocked at how seriously people take that especially on the young left they they seem to be really actually concerned about that can i have a pledge Raise your right hand, kind of 45 degrees, and repeat after me. Raise like your right hand. You're like you're waving goodbye to a friend who's a little below you. Yeah, das ist recht. Gut. Nazi Germany. Yes, that's correct. So two things. Sean, I want you to call this person. I should have done this off the air, but you're going to have to come in here to get this phone number. Okay. This is a guy who's a physician scientist developing CRISPR and has a different view of it than our guest did yesterday. Oh, one of our Frankenstein d- d- doctors out there. So I would Seeking like to, to pervert uh, humanity. So I'd like to call that person and get him on the phone and find and out. And ask how. him about leading us into a genetic doomsday. That's what I'd like to ask them. <laughs> how dare you, sir? How dare Here's you? Here's his phone number right there, so I'll let you have that. And then the old peanut butter trick for escaping from prison. I got that story for so you. Is right it here. the thing with the dog? <laughs> no. no. Jeez. Okay. This is what these guys did. And 12 people escaped <laughs> from uh, jail. They changed the number... On a door with peanut butter. What the what? Doesn't does it say what, what the actual what number font was? Did they use? Doesn't say what the actual number was, but for what for whatever. So you got like a you know this 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 door is number two thirty five, uh-huh. and you change the five into an eight with peanut butter on it. Uh, somehow that's, a, that's an odd uh, color that you got to go anyway. So they get tricked, up on it. So they tricked a new guard into opening a door that just led outside. So he thought it was the door into the hallway for their cell, because that's what number 235 or whatever I'll is. be darned. But they changed it to 238. And uh, so they, they say, yeah, if you could open this door, then we'll go in. 
He unlocked the door that just let outside. Okay, we'll go to ourselves now. And they yeah. just walked outside. See, see, yeah, we're, uh, we're, uh, we'll be in there. Check in an hour. My Uber <laughs> will be hours. right here. It'll, it'll be fine. <laughs> and a dozen of them just walked out. Well, yeah, yeah. We always uh, walk through the parking lot to ourselves. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's the old peanut butter trick. Wow. I'll so, be danged. If you're ever in jail, keep that one in mind. Of course, if you're in jail, you're probably criminal. So stay in there. Of course, there are a couple of different peanut butter tricks you can do with your dog. One of them is unspeakable, but the other, you put a little, uh, you, you put some peanut butter in their mouth, and while they're like moving their tongue and their lips and stuff, you videotape them, and then you dub in hilarious dialogue over that videotape. <laughs> that's how they got the horse from Mr. Ed to move his lips during the TV exactly. show. Yeah, that's right. They're trying to cover up the shocking of him. That's what they're trying to. Oh my God! What? Oh yeah, car no. battery wires. What? Oh, oh Mr. Stop Ed, it. Mr. standing Ed. in a pool of water. Oh, yeah. Stop Ugliness. It. Wow. Ugliness. Wilbur. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, so, so much more on the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A little more mooch talk. And you are playing one of the great golf courses on planet Earth, hobnobbing with very important people. Oh, yes. It was a uh, big time. Big time. Uh, better than being a Haitian sewerage man. Cleans out Haitian sewers profile I read on those fellas. Oh. Why would I want to contemplate that? It's unlikely I end up a, a, a Haitian sewer worker. Sometimes you don't know how lucky you are <laughs> unless you contemplate those less fortunate. Okay. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So late in the show yesterday, well, it wasn't that late. It's already late in the show today. I never know if I'm talking to early show listeners or late show listeners, because our, our early show listeners are sharp. Late show listeners, little dialed back. Oh, boy. Little dialed back. Really but, have to simplify things. So we talked to this professor yesterday from Carnegie Mellon College. Is that what it's called? Um, about uh, this CRISPR technology where you can edit genes, and it's already being done uh, where you can go in and edit the genetic makeup of an embryo, make make the kid smarter or taller or faster, or have blue eyes instead of brown or whatever. And people can already do it. And it doesn't cost much. Really? Wow. And the, and the opportunity for uh, mayhem is is, is high. Uh, please welcome to the show Tom, who is a physician scientist student. Now, is that what's on my screen? What does that even mean? <laughs> but he was a uh, the, the, the science student recruited to a CRISPR uh, development lab and is now uh, in, endeavoring to create an unholy uh, race of monsters. Or so he claims. He texted <laughs> us. So there's a decent chance he's going to say, you know who developed this CRISPR? Howard Stern's penis. Yeah. <laughs> so we don't know if this guy is real or not. Tom, are you real or not? <laughs> I am real. Oh, good. Well, that's reassuring. <laughs> um, so uh, tell us what sort of things you're working on right now. What's, uh, what's your background? What are you up to? So I'm an MD-PhD student. I'm doing uh, graduate school and medical school uh, more or less simultaneously at a major university on the East Coast. And um, my training is in DNA damage repair um, with relation to cancer and other sort of genetic tools that are used in molecular biology. Um, And uh, I was recruited to a CRISPR lab to help them sort of uh, design um, more accurate CRISPRs. And aren't well, aren't you, well, aren't you a smarty pants? But um, <laughs> a lot of letters in all those things you're doing. That's very impressive. Um, uh, so, but you heard our interview yesterday, and you said that's uh, that's not exactly the view you have. No, I, I think it's great to have business people like Dr. Wadwa uh, working on the business end of CRISPRs because it, 
for the most part, scientists and doctors are really, really lousy business people. And so if you want to get this out here and you want to get it out in high volume, the best thing you can do is have really, really smart people like Dr. Wadwa uh, working on this. The problem um, with sort of his end is that he has to consider the, the best and the worst of the technology. And I think that um, he does stress the, the worst of what CRISPR could be and uh, maybe sometimes to the point of uh, impractical ends. Um, the gene editing technology is very, very limited outside of the human embryo. And even within the human embryo, we're also limited. Uh, what I mean is that when he talks about making people taller, faster, stronger, if you want to look at a height gene, if you want to look at an eye color gene, things like that, almost none of these traits that you see in people are uh, made up by one gene. They're made up by many, many genes. If you want to change that kind of thing, you'd have to carefully control sort of the editing of every, you know, one, two, five, ten, a hundred genes that control this one trait, and probably the upbringing of this individual. There's a lot of environmental factors that go into being tall, being fast, being strong, or well. Smart. So, can I edit an embryo and make it a taller person than they were going to be, or not? Not necessarily. No, I, I don't think we could. We really have the capability. So the Chinese, some people so might the, disagree. But. So the Chinese aren't doing that right now. Well, they're not doing it right now. But the unholy, uh, you know, superhuman armies uh, will swarm across the earth eventually. And Tom is trying to uh, to downplay. He's that. downplaying probably in the uh, employ of the Chinese government. Hey, Tom, inspire us. What what sort of really good things are happening in your work? The best thing about CRISPR gene editing technology is I don't think ready for uh, application to patients directly. It's in the speeding up of the research of chemotherapy, of immunotherapy that's being used in cancer, and really just in molecular biology in general. This is going to take us from, you know, from, from, from two miles per hour to 60 miles per hour as far as science is concerned. This used to be a process editing genes that took so long you could breed a, a, a mouse for study for a whole year and maybe have it work out. And this is a very effective uh, uh, sort of high output technology that's going to let you do these things in months or weeks. So you're on the science end of it. I heard a, a top uh, oncologist cancer doctor, you know, who just uses the technology people like you come up with. But he was talking about John McCain's uh, brain cancer. And he said any kind of cancer, you, any kind of cancer you have, if you can hang on for six months, the world could look a lot different in six months. Are you that optimistic that things can change that fast? You know, I, I don't have training as an oncologist, and so he would probably be a better person to ask. But I, I, I think from, from my end, from, from, the, from the basic scientific end, I think that's absolutely correct. I mean, the things we can get done now, not just with CRISPR, but with every new piece of technology that comes out, it's, it's incredible when you look compared to years past. So help us understand, though, you like you need a mouse with a certain genetic mutation, and so you just make it, essentially? Well, here's the deal. If you have a, if you have a multi-celled organism like uh, mice or people or even, even smaller things than that, to change the genetic makeup of an already uh, formed uh, organism, you have to edit each cell individually. They, they, they can't ah. spread these changes around. And so... Whatever technology I'm using to change these individual cells, if it doesn't work out, if it doesn't take for some reason, if the machinery doesn't get into the cell correctly, anything like that, then I just wasted a whole lot of money designing these tools, and I wasted a year watching this thing grow up to see if it, it, it exhibits the changes that I tried to put into effect. CRISPR is high efficiency. 
you can uh, screen to tell whether or not it works. Um, and they're very cheap to manufacture because you can use the cell's own uh, machinery, uh, internal machinery, to make these genetic tools. Interesting. Tom is uh, working on CRISPR projects in the lab right now. What about bat people who can see in the dark? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't hear your answer. My my bat knowledge is uh, terrible. Uh, well, that's really interesting, Tom. Hey, and and we appreciate the insight. And as your work progresses, drop us a line now and again, would you? Will do. Thanks for having me on. Oh yeah, we'd love to stay in touch. Thanks, appreciate it. Boy, he's got to hate talking to dumb people. It's got to be really annoying. Well, he listens to the show, so he must be a patient man. He rolls his eyes. Right. Um, that That's the most interesting thing to me, that I didn't know it was because of this and other things, that everything is sped up so much now. That's what's incredible. So, you know, whatever whatever horrifying situation you're, you're facing or facing in the future, the, 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 the answer might be right around the corner, where it used to take decades, generations to make, you know, to move the ball down the field a foot. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Heck yeah. I hope I live long enough to, to see that fruit fall from the trees. I think he's as... a little sanguine about the uh, Chinese hordes. <laughs> well, and the, the zombie people yeah, sweeping exactly. across the globe uh, with a taste for flesh. Bat humans that can see uh, in the dark. Winged pigs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Uh, and more. Uh, as, as Jack knows, Marshall, have I ever shared with you my greatest fear? No. I'm, I'm no, convinced that? that this... Uh, that this is my fate. No, that I will be the last Homo sapien to die. I will be just, <clears throat> and the news will break. Okay. Everybody's phone will start buzzing. Yeah. Science triumphs over death. Immortality <laughs> now, you know, available at your local Walmart. And I will be the last son of a bitch to go. 1999. That's right. Yeah. I thought that was like a last man on earth sort of apocalyptic yeah. sort of fear. But no, yeah. you're worried that everyone else will be fine. It's kind of the anti. Yeah, yeah. 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 That could happen. Uh, could, well, Owner. somebody will be the last. Outside of like being crushed by a bus or something. Nothing will get you just with the makeup of our bodies, cancer, age, anything like that. Right. I, that that could happen, right. absolutely. Oh, speaking of uh, being crushed by things, i got to tell you this. Little D is in Italy uh, having the time of her life, um, and she's uh, my 17-year-old, soon-to-be college student, and she's visiting her Italian friend, and they, uh, they checked out, they visited, hiked up to this uh, Italian fort from WW1. Awesome. That's up in the mountains. Um, in nor- northern Italy, and you g- they, they got like blackened tunnels under the fort. You go down there with your your phone on or your flashlight, and you check them out. Then you go up there on like the parapet and all, and you look at it and you walk around. And if if it looks a little scary, you don't go. But if you want to go, you go. You're an adult. It's it's up to you. And they got to explore this whole fort in a way that you could never do, particularly in the blue states of America. In the land of the free? Yeah. And she sent just these amazing pictures of this old-timey, scary fort in the mountains. Just very cool. But, uh, boy, if you, you actually kick around internationally, <laughs> and that's one of the, the benefits of travel. You'll start to realize this is not the land of the free. This is the land of every step you take, you're told how to take it. I'll tell the a, would-be utopia. Since we're on the topic, even though we're running late, I'll tell a quick yeah. story. So somebody I know who's running a college intern pro, uh, program, 
uh, had some college interns that were going to be uh, out over the weekend, and they ha- they needed to be there late for the birthing of some animals. It's a uh, agricultural students, a little farmland deal, animal science students. But um, anyway, they're going to be there late, and one of the animal science students uh, emailed the person and said, uh, "Would it be all right if we brought some beer since it's Saturday night? You know, it's likely not to happen. Maybe we'll eat some pizza, we'll have some beer, and we'll hang out since it's our Saturday night." And, uh, you know, the person had to write back, no, that, you know, if there was an accident, if something happened. And this person, who is a foreign student from uh, from Denmark, said, oh, that's right, you Americans are so uptight about those sort of things, I forgot. Right. Somebody from what we often refer to as a socialized, social socialist country, we don't want to be like socialist Europe, said, oh, that's right, you Americans, you can't do that sort of thing in the United States of America. You must follow the rules at every moment. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) People from countries we make fun of for being socialist are saying, oh, that's right. In America, you can't do that sort of stuff. Well, we are increasingly socialist, but it's it's different. It's nannyist. We were, you know, well, it's litigist. We have a litigist government where everything is based on the potential of a lawsuit. Every motion you go through the day, every mile you drive, every foot you walk, every interaction in business or on the playground is 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 measured and altered and dictated by litigation you can't make any assumptions that a a grown person can make decisions for themselves if something goes wrong well then you deal with whatever went wrong it's your call it's your life go ahead do what you want now you can't say that isn't that amazing oh yeah it is it it is and disappointing and it's happened so quickly youngsters out there this used to be an incredibly cool country where you could innovate and, and do what you wanted. As long as you didn't hurt somebody or steal from them, nobody particularly cared what you did. You know, unless you were, like, gay in the South. But, uh, you know, t- t- for the most part, you could do what you wanted. That hurt my heart, having a Euro say, oh, that's right, you, you're all so uptight here, you can't do that sort of thing. Yeah. That, that hurt me. Yep. wounded me. Yep. What's coming up in your news, Marshall Phillips? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The modern America, the product of our American lawyers. Let's ship them to Italy. Maybe they could change things around. Trump's new chief of staff laying down the law. He is the gatekeeper. You got America's sheriff facing jail time and some shocking stats on Americans and opioids. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Giddy. Every stat I hear on Americans and opioids shocks me. So we got all that on the way. Good stuff. Good, good. Ow! Try to flip, slip in a couple of more of those on the it's last over. the last day we can talk about Mooch. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. They found the first coin used in the United States. Uh, goes back to the founding fathers' day. And uh, what is inscribed on it is kind of interesting. It says something about the way we looked at our country then. And Kid Rock polling ahead of the Democratic incumbent. Stay with us. I thought he decided he wasn't going to run. Well, he was going to d- d- pull back temporarily. Okay. Assess his options. News now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump pointing to the positive this morning. Once again, we've got Trump tweet reader Vincent Nicholas. Stock market could hit all-time high again at 22000 today. It was 18,000 only six months months ago on election day. Mainstream media seldom mentions. See, I wonder what the agreement is between General John Kelly and Trump on tweeting. It would not shock me if the general said, listen, let's talk about it before you send it out. Having said that, 
I think that is a great use of the medium to communicate directly with the American people, like Trump says right. he wants to do. Um, I think you ought to continue to do that sort of thing. Because it is anti-Trump bias that they're not talking more about the stock market. I think the stock market gets talked about too much. But it, when it when it, if it was Barack Obama, they'd be talking about it every single day. Sure, yeah. And the Democrats would be crowing about it every single day. Nobody mentions that we set records nearly daily in all the, the stock indexes. Or indices, I guess you're supposed to say. Well, right. But, you know, and you cannot deny that the media has an influence. A lot of people get their information through the mass media. It changes minds. It moves hearts and et cetera. Um, And when we talked about the Rasmussen poll, for the first time, Trump's below 40%. He's 39%. It's margin of error stuff. But um, we immediately received a a number of uh, people, screeds from people saying, well, what do you think his approval ratings are going to be when 80% of the media has this drumbeat of negativity, some of it accurate, some of it completely made up? Well, of course he's got low approval ratings. Well, there's some truth to that. Meanwhile, you got the new White House chief of staff reorganizing how the West Wing is operating. All White House staffers, including Jared Kushner will now report directly to John Kelly, CBS's Major Garrett. The president has given General Kelly full authority in the West Wing. All staff, including Kushner and wife Ivanka, are said now to report to Kelly. That wow, can't so be true. That I'm going to go in and see Daddy. Nah, Daddy's busy. See, you uh, you got to come back later, sweet pants. I just don't believe that. I just think that's something you got to say to make... It, there's no way his daughter doesn't have the ability to get a hold of him without going through the chief of staff. That's just crazy. That would be crazy. Who would want their life like that? I would. <laughs> I would like it. And their Dad, po- can I have some? Dad, see my chief of staff. <laughs> Where are I'll we going maybe for- I'll get you an appointment. <laughs> Where are we getting together for Thanksgiving this year? I'm sorry, do you have an appointment? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, there is, uh, there's more information coming out of the West Wing. Who was at the White House yesterday helping the communications team reorganize? Sean Spicer. Well, he, that was what was said. He mm-hmm. would stay on for a month to help yep. in the transition. I'm sure he's a hell of a lot more willing to help now that old Skidamooch is gone. Sure. And former Arizona Sheriff Joe Arpaio gained national attention for his campaign against illegals, housing inmates in tent cities and making them wear pink underwear, has himself now been convicted of criminal contempt for defying a court order to stop detaining people only for suspecting them of being in the country illegally. He's 85 years old. He's facing up to six months in jail. Uh, Mr. Trump. He's 85? Yeah. Yeah. Joe's 85 years old. Lastly, we got a new government study that found more than one-third of U.S. adults, 38%, 92 million people were prescribed opioids in 2015. What? I was. A third of people. A third of U.S. adults. Boy, I don't think I was, but the previous year I absolutely was. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be damned. And the National Institute on Drug Abuse found uh, people between the ages 18 and 49, men and college graduates were less likely to be prescribed opioids than people who are 50 and older. That makes sense. Women and non-college graduates, and they found 5% of U.S. adults we're misusing opioids these days. I, I would like to compare that to other developed nations. Do do one-third of Italians get prescribed opioids on a yearly basis? What's the matter, you? I don't know. That Yeah, l- l- a little comparison. Yeah. What's going on? I had a handful of oral surgeries, yeah. and I think that I had to say no. They're just going to give them to me. And I said, no, number one, I'm incredibly tough. 
Yeah, my, my wife said Number no. Number two, ibuprofen's fine. My wife said no. I'm sure she almost every year has something where she uh, she says no to that, so she'd have been on the list, too. Right. She had said yes. Right. And I uh, I got uh, prescribed opioids uh, every year for the last three years. And I... So we got three people in this room out of six that, yeah. that did. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, That's uh, been holding out on me. Anybody else, Vincent? You get any of the yeah, Vincent, opioids? I got that Norco. Is that an yeah. opioid? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. I'm saving it for a dark day. I haven't used it yet. <laughs> Good man. Michael, yay or nay? Nope, just jank him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You uh, have no shame. <laughs> Google it. Google it. <laughs> That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips in the Armstrong Getty Show, the voice of the West. Oh, I need to uh, I need to bring back up that study on what people think about in meetings, because that came very late in the show yesterday. That was pretty good. Love to hear it. Um, including what percentage of meetings are pointless. Boy, in my experience, it's quite high. Quite high. Oh, we just got a text. They said, you guys have missed one of the biggest stories that happened yesterday about artificial intelligence taking over the world. Whoops. Well, I'll hit you with it next. We could use some of it here, apparently. hi yo. Stay tuned Whoa. to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Whoa. A school district in Florida is eliminating homework for all school students this year. Uh, yeah, no homework. It's all part of Florida's Make Florida, Florida Again campaign. <laughs> hey, I don't like a foreigner making fun of one of our states. <laughs> he might be right, but it's still one of our states. Go back to France. I don't believe he's French. Homework's an interesting uh, topic. There, 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 there's not a lot of... Um, studies to back up great deals of homework especially for younger kids right. as it as it doing any good and uh my oldest had a fair amount of homework in kindergarten zero homework in first grade and just a change of philosophy yeah huh? yeah complete wow. change of philosophy um and i'll be interested to see what second grade holds but i don't know um a couple of quick things we got this text did you guys talk about the facebook computer talking with another computer that all of a sudden developed their own unknown language. The conductors of the experiment got so scared, they unplugged both of the machines. Holy crap! I haven't seen this story. Can you Is look that a up? premise for a movie, or did that really <laughs> yeah, happen? I, I, I saw that briefly described today, and it seemed too complex. I was going to do some more digging okay. into it tonight. And, you, uh, and You're in charge of that okay, yeah, for tomorrow. I'll, I'll have that for you tomorrow. But yeah, it's... Whoo! That's the the, the the singularity, right? Or the tipping point, or the point of no return, or total the, uh, recall, or something. Yes. Well, actually, the... you could use a phrase that I don't understand, but I will pretend I do. We learned this yesterday. Perhaps you heard it. I just want to present it to Joe to see what he thinks. Okay. Uh, this is about meetings. They, they, I mm. thought this number was really low. It said a third of us say we've attended meetings that were pointless. What? Only a third. <laughs> I would be happy. Who'd they if, ask? Twenty-two-year-olds. I would ha- who just I'd, haven't had the chance. I'd be happy if only a third of the meetings I went to were pointless, but it's much higher than that. Yeah. Um, and then what do uh, people uh, daydream about when they're in a point pointless meeting? Uh, and our favorite one was that about a third of people uh, daydream or, or think about where they could insert a witty joke to make the meeting more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that rings true. Absolutely. When I could put this zinger in there. And if you're sitting with a buddy toward the back, you actually do it murmuring, you know, under your breath. 
Uh, but uh, two thirds say they, um, well, two thirds say they use jargon or words or phrases multiple times a week that are popular in the workplace. Something like 80% of people say they often hear jargon in meetings and they pretend they know what it means. Mm. You know, stuff like, does this scale? Right. You know, that sort of thing. Right. We, we just pretend. Mm. Uh, I've done that, but I don't know. Yes, some of yeah, it, absolutely. Some of it is because I just, I, I'm usually, t- the sort of person that I'm talking to that's using that, I don't want to discuss it with. So Folks, our PQR is down 12% again this year. You hit a, you get a concerned look on your face, hmm, pray the meeting ends. It ladders up to our overarching framework. Right. It optimizes the impactfulness of our deliverables. You want that, <laughs> clearly. And a lot of people, 88%, practically everybody. Uh, admit to pretending to understand office jargon. Uh, there's no way people are going to more, uh, not going to more worthless meetings. Forty-three percent of people daydream about taking a vacation. Thirty-two percent wonder uh, about what other people are wearing. We all admitted to that one. Wondering what other people are wearing. Just thinking about what other people are wearing. Oh, those are that, those are good-looking jeans. That jacket's a little snug, isn't it? <laughs> right. Right. Why is your skirt so short? You know, that's it's casual day, not bum day. <laughs> Hawaiian shirt at a business meeting. You're really taking the world by storm. <laughs> what was it producer Scott's dad used to say, God rest his soul? You see a man in short sleeves and a tie, you see a man on his way down. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good man and a funny man. <laughs> so that's what your coworkers are thinking about during the meeting today. Well, how much time do we have, Michael? Almost done. Uh, I was going to talk about the uh, the lot I saw that's for sale on Pebble Beach, right there on the golf course looking at the ocean. It's a pretty good-sized lot, $27 bucks. I'm, Ooh, I'm just thinking a lot? Of, thinking of offering 23 and seeing if I can steal it. No house, just the lot. Oh, it's just the dirt. $27 million. Can I put a tiny house on it or an Airstream trailer? Sure. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> 